Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus Drug Discount Card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance, and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies. But 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Start saving today. Print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word Talk Radio to 96362. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. What a great day to be alive. You joined Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on Voice of America Sports. It's a great day to be alive, especially if you live down south where they were pounded by, yes, dig this, wait for it, an inch and a half of snow and the city. Whoa, whoa. That's right. The city panicked. The voice that you're hearing right now is my sidekick and roadie, Mario Batanza. You can find Mario at Mile High Mario, and you can find me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. If you want to get in on some of the topics that we're going to discuss today, big show today, we have – Two guys who actually played in the Super Bowl with uh, two different tales. And also, we're here from a former wide receiver, Andre Johnson. Uh, excuse me, not Andre Johnson. Uh, Andre Davis, about the matchup between Demaris Thomas and Richard Sherman. So, Mario, uh, let, let's, let's kind of touch on it real quick. I just mentioned the fact that, of course, in the South, one and a half inches of snow in the city was virtually... Paralyzed, people were stuck on the highway for almost. They didn't. They didn't know um, how to handle 11. it. No, they, they they really did not know how to handle it, and and it's become a national news because now we know the talk leading up into this Sunday's game was would weather play a factor in the Super Bowl, and you know considering that it's being is in New York and it's outdoors. So in the city of Atlanta in two thousand and one, I believe there was an ice storm that really uh, once again paralyzed the city. So. Now everyone's thinking, if Atlanta is not equipped to handle one and a half inches of snow, why should they host a Super Bowl? What do you think? I mean, I guess the only difference is technically their Super Bowl would be indoors. But Nick, let me tell you this, man. This is not this is not local news. This is not national news. This shouldn't even be on the National Enquirer. There's no reason <laughs> that an inch and a half of snow needs to be sitting, uh, shutting down an entire city, man. I mean, and you played in Denver, which is, you know, I guess kind of in the middle as far as cold weather places are concerned. You also played with the New York Jets, which is a cold weather place. But you are a Georgia boy. You're, uh, you know, you're down Southern Comfort, young man. So 
I guess when you were growing up, you never really kind of experienced too much of that kind of weather. But dang, man, what is it? What is it going on with your people down there in Georgia freaking out over an inch and a half of snow? Everything just shut down. <laughs> I have the slightest idea, but here's the funny thing. And tell me if you've ever experienced it. Uh, and if you want to get on the show, 888-346-9144 gets you in on the conversation. Now, here's the funny thing. It just seems to me, and you tell me if you experienced it yourself, when there's rain and there's snow, for some reason, it's like something goes off in drivers' minds and it says to speed up. Now, why do you speed up when it's rain and the snow and the roads are slick? I, I, I don't get it. And that's what I saw here uh, <laughs> in the Georgia uh, area. It's just people speeding up and wondering why they're crashing into other cars and they're running into the wall. Wait, here's here's my take on it, man. In Colorado, where I am right now, first off, in the wintertime, there's always about an inch and a half of snow there's always like a nice little layer of snow just to keep the people modest just to remind them that it's winter time you know got the snow-capped mountains and everything in colorado people slow down but they're used to the snow you go down in georgia people just freaked out they lost it and they're like i just need to get through these streets as quickly as possible so i am going to speed to get home and stay in until all of the snow is melted, until it warms back up again. And maybe that's what it is. They're just in a rush to get home to safety, and yeah, it, it ended up not being such a great idea. You know, talk about a city being ill-prepared uh, to handle things. I mean, there was a game here last night where Georgia Tech played uh, North Carolina, and the fans came out. And they didn't postpone that game, but the game last night between the Hawks and the Pistons, uh, that was uh, postponed. But but let's stay with, you know, NBA for a little bit. Big game last night between OKC on the road, uh, taking on the Miami Heat. Now, this was a build-up uh, game. And I, and I have to say, you know, when you look at Kevin Durant and you look at LeBron James, uh, two similar type of uh, marquee guys in the NBA. But to me, it, is, this, is this this generation's Magic Bird, I mean, a, a, a Magic and Bird uh, competition between these two players? Man, I think it absolutely is. And maybe we see a little bit like Michael Jordan, Carl Malone almost. Maybe not quite on the same level. But, I mean, yeah, absolutely. These guys are by far the two best players in the NBA. I mean, there is such a remarkable drop-off. You know, they're 1A and 1B they're interchangeable. You're going to get different stuff from different guys every night. Uh, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. I guess you could say Melo is the number three player in the NBA right now. But dang, man, he doesn't come close to either of these guys. So to see Kevin Durant doing what he's doing right now without Russell Westbrook just kind of opens your eyes. And maybe the Thunder are thinking, you know, are we overpaying for Westbrook? Like, is he stifling Kevin Durant? Because the talk was always there. The talk was always that Durant would be head and shoulders the best player in the NBA if Westbrook wasn't there taking shots from him. Now he finally has a chance to prove it. And that's kind of what it's looking like. So maybe... Oklahoma City goes out and they deal Westbrook because they see that they don't really need him in his bad attitude and his terrible fashion sense. And they bring in a couple other pieces that are more complimentary to Kevin Durant. So I love what he's doing right now. You know, last week they won in San Antonio. They came, they won in Miami convincingly. 
And I think no one can touch Kevin Durant right now. Even LeBron James came out and said, I need help guarding him. Why can no one can guard him one on one? And he's absolutely correct. He is way too long. He's way too quick. You need to have two people on him at all times. He will beat you one way or the other. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll jump back in that after uh, we finish with our, our guests. Uh, we are fortunate to be joined by uh, former Houston Texan wide receiver Andre Davis. And we're going to see if we can get a little breakdown from him on this Sunday's game. Uh, welcome to the show, Andre. Hey, Nick. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for joining us, uh, man. No problem. So, 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 Andre, here's the biggest question. You know, it's Super Bowl week. It's been two weeks of media buildup, and everyone's talking about the matchups. Now, the one matchup that jumps out at me is the matchup between Damaris Thomas and, and Richard Sherman. From a guy who's played the wide receiver position and a guy who's, you know, a physical stature uh, makes you a dominated uh, player when you play for the Houston what what must we look for in this matchup to see which guy will fare the best? Well, I think it's going to be all about timing. Um, sorry, you guys, about some of the feedback on my cell phone, but I, I think it's going to be a matter of Damaris Thomas getting off of the ball and getting the timing with Peyton Manning. And if they can get that down, I think it's going to be really hard to stop them. If you just join us, we're talking to Houston Texan receiver Andre Davis and former Hokie, might I add, Hall of Fame Hokie at, at that. Now, you were talk, just talking about timing and rhythm. Now, now tell our listeners, what a receiver, when he comes to the line, what he must look for as far as trying to beat man coverage? Well, just like the quarterback, he's got to really know the coverage as he's running out to his position. And that's going to really help dictate what type of route is he going to run. Is he going to have to make any adjustments? Um, are they going to have to audible out of the play, depending on what coverage they're playing? Um, but, but I think all that film coverage, all that film study that they're doing right now is going to really dictate how they're going to get out there in the game and attack what Seattle's going to try and do to them. Um, I think they're both great players, and it's just going to come down to matchups. And I just don't think Seattle's defense has – uh, enough defensive health to be able to take care of all of the receivers that Denver has. Now, Andre, I got a question for you, man. You're talking about preparation and film study and all that. Uh, it's well known that Seattle kind of runs a vanilla defense. You know, they don't have all these exotic blitz packages. They're not really trying to confuse anybody. It's just this old school, hard mouth football where they're just saying, we're going to line up. We're not going to try and uh, like confuse you or surprise you. Our guys are just going to be better than your guys, and it's worked out for them so far. Do you think they're going to change that going into this game because they're facing a guy like Peyton Manning, who is easily the smartest quarterback of all time? Or you know, do they stick with what they know and what they're good at and just hope that he's not that, uh, not that surprised? Yeah. No, they're gonna they're gonna challenge the Denver receivers. They're gonna say this is what we do, this is who we are, and they're gonna try and bring that smash mouth type of football to them, and just you know try and contest them on every single ball that's thrown. Um, give them some extra hits. Let them know that they're always there in their hip pocket. And Peyton's gonna have to be his you know Superman Peyton self and have to get the ball in perfect locations. Um, because if he's a little bit slow or if the ball's a little bit behind, that's what Seattle's going to be looking for. Absolutely. Well, 
Well, well you're talking about uh, time and rhythm, rhythm. Let's look inside the red zone area. That's the area that I believe that's going to be key to determine who wins the game. Execution inside the red zone area. So if you are Damaris Thomas, take us through this. Richard Sherman lines up in front of you. And you have, you can go inside for the slant. You got the back shoulder fade. Or you got just got the regular fade. I mean, how would you beat him off the line inside the red zone? Huh, that's a good question, Nick. Um, I think I would have to go back and once again look at the film study on how Richard Sherman likes to play there. Um, I'm not sure of Richard's stature and his height and everything. Um, I think you want to be able to throw probably that slant route down and inside. Um, you can't. You don't want to do anything on the back shoulder or. I think it makes it really tough when you just put it up for grabs and do a jump ball. I don't think um, you know you. Would, I don't think that would be the smartest thing to do. Um, I think the best route to run would probably be a slant route and throwing it low, where Richard Sherman can't get in there and get a hand on it to uh, tap it up to anybody else. Now, Andre, uh, one of the things that we've kind of heard about as a strategy to kind of wear out these Seattle corners, especially Richard Sherman. Now, we're hearing different things. Either he's going to stick on DT the entire time or he's just going to stay on the left side or maybe we see a little bit of a combo. Or at any point, do you think they would get Andre Caldwell out there, Eric Decker, maybe even, you know, Monty Ball or Noshan, where they're splitting them out wide and they're just taking these corners downfield, wearing them out. Now, I know it kind of takes away one of the options that Peyton Manning has, but he's so efficient in finding the guy you know, do you see that being a detriment, and would that be a good strategy for the Broncos to implement, you know, to just send a guy in a fly route every once in a while with this hurry-up offense, wear him out, exchange him for someone with fresh legs, and then just burn him over the top? I mean, I don't think they have to. I think Denver has a potent enough offense that they can leave no Sean in the backfield. Um, you got Demarius, and I think everyone's looking to try and get Demarius a big game. I mean, I know as a receiver, I would love to be able to take part in the biggest game of the year, biggest game of most of these guys' careers, and to be the superstar on that stage. But I think ultimately you have to remember that this is a team sport, and you want your team to win the Super Bowl. You want to uh, have your team as part of the Super Bowl legacy. And so if it's something that Demarius doesn't get, you know, five, six, seven balls, and it might be Russ Welker's turn. It might be Eric Decker. It might be Julius Thomas. You've got to find the best matchup possible and really use that to your advantage for, for the game, give your team the best opportunity possible instead of just trying to get it to, you know, one particular person. Yeah, absolutely. If you just, jo- if you just join us, we're talking to former standout for the Hokies, Virginia Tech Hokies at that and the Houston Texans. Andre Davis, as he gives us his breakdown of the matchup of the, between Damaris Thomas and Richard Sherman. Now, everyone's been talking about you know Peyton Manning, the defense. No one's really been talking about uh, the special teams side of things. I mean, and when you look at both teams, you have both Eric Decker and Trenton Holiday for the Denver Broncos, and you have Golden Tate, who's a great all-around receiver. Talk to us how special teams could actually dictate and who actually wins this game. Well, I definitely have to give a shout-out to my man, Trenton Holiday. Uh, I was able to be his teammate for a year in Houston, and I'm really proud of him to see how he's matured and into a, a great special teams player for the Denver Broncos. 
and uh, I really want to see him shine on the on the stage for the Super Bowl. Um, but I think for those guys, it's a it's a great opportunity for them to make a difference in the game. Everyone's been concentrating so much on you know offense versus defense and matchups, but here's uh, the issue that I think a lot of people have to deal with. Just like how Baltimore and Jacoby Jones had a great special teams game uh, in last year's Super Bowl, I think uh, these guys have an opportunity to do that again um, with the type of talent that they have back there at the uh, third position. And uh, it'll be interesting to see who's going to be able to make that one play that's really going to help their team out. Andre, we got a couple of minutes before our break. Uh, quickly, give us your prediction for this Sunday's game. Oh, goodness. I knew it was going to get down to this. Um, being an offensive-minded <laughs> guy, I want to I want to see Denver win. Um, I just love the way the offense plays. I want to see them score a lot of points. Um, I just think they're going to be able to wear Seattle's defense down. Um, the Seattle's defense, or Seattle's offense, I don't think is going to be able to score enough points to hang with Denver. Thank you. That was Andre Davis, former Hokie in Houston, Texas, joining us, giving his breakdown and analysis between the matchup between Damaris Thomas and Richard Sherman. Uh, great stuff, as usual, Andre. Maybe we can have you on when we go over uh, recruiting, which I know you know a lot about. Thank, thank you for joining us. Uh, a- after the break, we'll talk a little more basketball and then get into a Sochi Olympic and see what's going on there and what kind of problems could a Russian president be headed for right after the break. Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. 
To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Voice America Sports here, Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. Uh, we just had Andre Davis, former Houston Texan and Virginia Hokies, giving his breakdown on the matchup between Demaris Thomas and Richard Sherman. Good stuff from a guy who played the game and he knows the ins and outs. Uh, Mario, before we went to break, we were talking about Kevin Durant and LeBron James. And, you know, Kevin Durant leads the league in scoring. And to me, he is the front runner for the MVP. I know uh, LeBron James has done a lot. Uh, he's won MVPs on his own. But when you look at the fact that LeBron has a host of players with experience uh, around him, that helps him out. You mentioned before, you know, you know Michael Westbrook. And to me, right now, at this point, Kevin Durant is the best player in the NBA. Would you not agree? I, I absolutely agree. And we're kind of seeing shades of LeBron James back in his Cleveland Cavaliers days. I mean, who is the second best player on this Thunder team. You can't really say. I mean, it's kind of a toss-up. It could be between a handful of different people. You know, maybe it's Serge Ibaka. Maybe it's Kendrick Perkins to an extent. But really, it's all about Kevin Durant, and he is absolutely leading this team. And the only thing that worries me is that, that that's how it is, man. You know, it's just Kevin Durant. So if we're speaking as far as an MVP season, yeah, absolutely Kevin Durant deserves the credit because the Thunder have not missed a beat despite losing an all-star point guard, an all-NBA point guard in Russell Westbrook. And, you know, they're just carrying on. They are the best team in the Western Conference. They just went on the road, like I said, to beat the Spurs. They went on the road to beat Miami pretty convincingly. And they're doing it without really a point guard. I mean, what did they got? Reggie Jackson running point out there? KD might as well be running point. <laughs> Man, that, you know what? That is an excellent point that you bring up. Uh, we, when I look at and I evaluate whether it's baseball or basketball or football, and we talk about MVPs, I, I look at what guy is doing more with less and, you know, for the past couple of years, you know, Kevin Durant has definitely been doing that type of thing. If he were, if he were on the team with the same talent as a LeBron James, maybe now he would have two back-to-back championships, but right now how things are playing out, that that is not the case. But uh, Kevin Durant is by far, once again, the best player in the NBA. He can take you off the dribble. He's got the inside-outside game. And if you don't come over to trap him, then you might as well count those two points. Well, now, Nick, you're talking about if he you know, was on the heat in, repla- in place of LeBron James – not just because of the team around him, but look at the Eastern Conference, man. It is the Pacers and the Heat and then nobody else. The Bulls could have made a run at, you know, been relevant in the Eastern Conference if Derrick Rose had stayed healthy, but lo and behold, he cannot. So really, is there a legitimate team in the Eastern Conference that has a sniff of a chance to make it to the NBA Finals this year besides Indiana and Miami? My answer is absolutely not. So you put Kevin Durant in the Eastern Conference where it's almost a shoe in 
with his talent to get to the NBA Finals. Whereas if you're on the other side, you're having to deal with an upstart Golden State team. You're having to deal with the San Antonio Spurs team that are very difficult to beat in a seven-game series. You're dealing with the Clippers. You're dealing with the Grizzlies. It is a very top-heavy conference. Up and down, the, the, the top, every eight seed, the one through eight seeds in the Western Conference every year has a chance to make some noise in the playoffs. Unless, of course, you're the Denver Nuggets, then you've come to expect a first round exit. And I can say <laughs> that because I am a Nuggets fan. It's just fact. And I'm sorry if you're a Nuggets fan. I'm with you. The pain is real. But that's what I'm saying. Their teams in the Western Conference are too good. So Durant has to worry about winning every single playoff series facing against the Spurs team, against the Clippers team, against the Warriors team, what have you. Whereas on the other side, it's just two teams. Everything else that I know, nothing is given. Any, any given day, a team has a chance to win. But let's be adults and call it what it is. There are only two teams in the Eastern Conference that have a chance. So if you give Kevin Durant that kind of, we'll call it a free pass, I think that he has an NBA championship under his belt right now. Wait a minute. So from what I'm gathering from you right now, from what you just said, there's two things. One, Nuggets fans can expect the Brian Shaw-led team to have another early exit, right? It doesn't make a difference who the head coach is. You know, this year they're not even going to make the playoffs. So so, so, so that means the Nuggets firing and and parting with George Carl, hey, it really doesn't make a difference because this team doesn't have the personnel to even get out of the first round. That's what you're saying. Absolutely. It didn't it wouldn't matter who's coaching this team. You know, as soon as they lost Masai Ujiri, uh, who really, in my opinion, was single handed was the person that single handedly kind of made the Nuggets a threat in the Western Conference. As soon as he decided to leave for Toronto, who is having a very good year this year, mind you, uh, I think it was all over. It didn't matter who coached this team, whether it was George Carl, Shaw. Hell, it could have been me coaching the team, Nick. With these kind of <laughs> these kind of guys, this is a 500 basketball team. Especially finding out that Gallinari is now done for the season, going to have to have another ACL surgery. He's going to miss two years of basketball. Yeah, man, it doesn't matter who you, who's coaching you, right? Well, you know what? Maybe instead of changing uh, the coaching staff, uh, maybe they should think about changing the person in the front office who's making the personnel movements. And with, with that, let's talk about the Cowboys and Jerry Jones and what's happening over in that madhouse. They add another play caller to a coaching staff that has multiple play callers. Jason Garrett was a play caller. That title was stripped away from him and given to Callahan. And then now you, you have Monty Kiffin, who's an assistant coach, and Rob Marinelli has been bumped up to defensive coordinator. You know, how many coaches can you hire to fix the issues with the Dallas Cowboys opposed to maybe getting a GM in the building. Well, man, here's my question for you, Nick. How many offensive play callers is it going to take to know that when you're up by a touchdown in the fourth quarter, you run the ball. Don't let Tony Romo throw it. How many times? They must have lost three or four games this year just from not turning around and handing the ball to DeMarco Murray. Because for whatever reason, they wanted Romo to throw the ball. That game that they lost against Green Bay, there is zero reason they should have lost that game. 99% of the human beings on this planet that know what football is would have called run plays in that situation. So it baffles me that these individuals that the Cowboys keep bringing in, whoever is calling the plays, they can't figure it out. DeMarco Murray is a top 10 running back in this league. Give him the ball! 
Yeah, but but how much of that is based on this NFL new stigma, the fact of quarterback-driven league, passing league, and having an elite quarterback? So if you have those three things, and all quarterbacks, you might as well like those guys, since they're making all the money on the team, make the pass in a crucial situation, opposed to devaluing, as though I've seen take place over the past couple of years, the running back position, and like you said, not giving DeMarco Murray the ball versus the Green Bay Packers when the run was there all day. They could not stop it, but you opt and you check to a pass. I don't if get you're, it. If you're talking about quarterbacks, man, look at the two top teams in the NFC. Kaepernick and Wilson did not lead their team. It was the running game and the defense that got them, got them to where they were. They were able to turn around and hand the ball off to a Frank Gore, to a Marshawn Lynch. Not that I'm saying DeMarco Murray is quite in their league, but man, he's close enough. I mean, I might even put him over Frank Gore at this point just because Frank Gore is kind of nearing the end of his career. But if we're going to talk about trusting a quarterback, how many people want Colin Kaepernick with the ball in the fourth quarter? Nobody, because he turns the ball over three times in the fourth quarter. How many people want to trust Russell Wilson to make a comeback? Nobody, because he didn't do it against Arizona when they lost at home this year. The bottom line is that you need to have faith in your running game. The Broncos set all these records, yeah, but in close games, they trusted Monty Ball. They trusted Sean Moreno to run it, to hold on to it, to run the clock out. And the game that they didn't do that against the New England Patriots, they paid dearly. So there you go. Well, if you just joined us, you're listening to Voice America Sports, Nick Ferguson's secondary perspective. You can get into the conversation, 888 346 Nine one four four. We're just talking a little bit about the quarterback position, Dallas Cowboys, and the fact that maybe the quarterback position in the NFL is a position that's highly overrated. Uh, For the love of me, I I don't understand this, Mario. I I, I really don't. And to to look at what the Super Bowl is, especially for the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks, and knowing how both teams got here, so to me, you know, of course, you look at the different Broncos. To me, they have pass-first offense. Seattle, like you just said, Russell Wilson is a great quarterback, but this team has got here on great defense and giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch. And to me, I've always believed this. The regular season is for quarterbacks to build their stats. Now, once you get into the playoffs, when the weather gets colder, that's when the ground game comes in. And now in New York, they're playing – uh, in, in the place where the weather is going to be cold, game time temperature is about 27 degrees, I expect Seattle to do exactly what they've been doing all season. When in doubt, be patient, give Beastmo the ball, and let him grind down the defense. Absolutely. But if we're talking about weather, Nick, here's a secondary perspective of what nobody is talking about. And as a former defensive back, you can attest to this. If the field is slippery, if there's snow on the ground, the wide receiver knows what route he's going to run. The defensive back does not, and it is much more difficult for him to recover on the receiver's route. So if the field is a little bit slippery and you're having quick routes and you know the receivers are able to put their foot in the ground because they know where they need to be and where they're cutting and it's all timing, that puts the defensive backs at a distinct disposition. So either way you look at it, I mean, you can spin this and this game is being 
overanalyzed to death because we have two weeks to look forward to it. But that's something that you're not going to hear. So, Nick, how difficult was it when the field was slippery to guard a quick receiver who knew his route? Well, you know what? That is a very uh, difficult question. Not not a difficult question, but it's difficult when you are the defensive back because when you look at game time weather conditions, they favor the offense. And here's why. The offense knows exactly where they're going. On the defense, you're only reacting to to what you see as far as a double move. And, like, this is why – Equipment managers are very valuable uh, individuals, and I call them equipment engineers because they have to do just that. They have to go out there, assess the grass to see if the turf is going to be moist, what kind of studs the players are going to have to use, and then also monitor when a guy's running off the field, almost like NASCAR, go get the pull out the, the, the drill bit and take the cleats off. So weather conditions play a huge factor and how you run the game and how you defend in the back end, especially when you talk about footing. And now the, the, the wide receivers have that back shoulder fade, which I think is one of the most difficult routes to actually stop. And speaking of that, uh, we have another guest joining us, Kelly Herndon, former Bronco and Seattle Seahawks. And he actually holds a record uh, for a touchdown. Uh, not a touchdown, excuse me, but a re- interception for 76 yards. Kelly, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, brother. Thank you for having me. Now, now, now Kelly, you played for both the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. Right off the bat, what's the difference between playing for these two different organizations? Well, actually, um, I don't really, it really wasn't that big of a difference because I, I mean, I felt, you know, uh, when I was in Denver, you know, uh, it was a very first class organization with, you know, the head coach Shanahan and everything when, you know, when I was there. Uh, and I felt like I went to another first class organization with, um, with, with Mike Holgram and then the Seahawks, you know, it was a, a pretty easy transition. Uh, I, I, I kind of found a lot of things pretty similar to how, you know, we went in, 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 into anything in the games and practice and everything like that. So um, I can't give you too much of a uh, difference in those situations. Well, so, also, Kelly, who well, you, since who you are you rooting for in this game then? Say that again. I'm sorry. Who are you rooting for in this game? <laughs> that's, an, that's another tough one. Uh, I mean, I, hey, I, I can't come on, really, man. I can't make, really, a, make a decision. <laughs> what? I mean, I'm not rooting for anyone who I think will win the game. I, I believe Seattle will win the game, but I'm not rooting for either or. You know, you know, it's, it's a, um, you know, it's a toss up on that. <laughs> well, you say Seattle will win the game. Tell tell me why you feel that Seattle will win the game. Well, I, I believe Seattle. Will win, I, I say because. Uh, um, I believe in, in, in the defensive line, you know, when it, the front seven that they have would make a big difference. And, uh, cause I don't think the, I don't think Denver faced anybody like, uh, the Seattle defense this year. And, um, you know, you, you get, you know, Peyton, you know, moving around a little bit. I think it, it, it'll be, um, a little bit more problems in the, in the Seattle defensive backs match up pretty well. I mean, if you look at the game before the, the championship game, 
how how Bill Belichick had, you know, his game plan. And, you know, of course, he's one of the best defensive minds, you know, in, in all of football. And you can see what he did. The only difference was is that they didn't have, you know, once the key to leave got hurt, they, they didn't have the matchup that they can do um, to the receivers that the Seahawks do. And uh, they don't have the front front four. You know, the, the Patriots had a front four like the Seahawks have. And so when you put those, those you know, two things together, I think it uh, – I think it'll make a big difference. We're joined by former Bronco and Seattle Seahawks, Kelly Herndon on Voice America Sports. Now, Kelly, you know, there's always two weeks before the big game and the big media day. And and some players I've spoken to say that it's a huge distraction. I mean, do you feel that just the media has too much access to the players the, the week before the biggest games of their lives? Uh, I well, yeah, I, I do. I, I gotta say, so I gotta agree with that because uh, I mean, when, when you when you go into something like you said, this is you know the biggest game of, of somebody's life, and then the focus that they have to uh, to prepare for mentally, um, you know, not alone, you know, physically. Uh, you you want you want to be able to uh, get all the information you can and uh, against the other team, and then. Be able to focus as much as possibly can, like you said, because those these are like once in a lifetime situations, and and so you know some of some of the things that go on, you know, with a little bit, you know, too much intrusion with the, with the media may may mess up someone's focus that's not used to it or hasn't been there or doesn't have the mental you know capacity to be able to deal with so much that goes on in those situations. So you know it can affect the players. Some players can get affected, uh, and you know that that I think that might play a part. So. Um, yeah, I think that's a little bit too much going on with the media. Well, well, tell me this, because usually before the Super Bowl, there's this either one or two players that become mainstream media poster boys, if you will. You know, in, in your tenure with the Seattle Seahawks, what guy on your team could have possibly have been that guy that we didn't hear about? That you didn't hear about? That we didn't hear because we know there's a lot of stories that are behind the scenes that we never hear about. Right. So you saying when on my team back when I was in Seattle when I went to Super Bowl? Who? Exactly. Oh, Which one? Man. I, I know it's one. I know it's one of those guys. Probably someone in the secondary. <laughs> Come on, see, see, see that laughter says a lot. That that tells oh, me there, there is a story I there. Mean, so so give give me something. What guy? I'm, Give me some initials I mean, or something. Give me a jersey I number. Mean, besides, besides thirty-one, I would have to say, uh, I would have to say, the, you know, the situation of. Uh, <laughs> but come on now, give me. I would have to say it was Ken Hammond twenty-six. I would have to say it was Ken Hammond twenty-six. You know, I think you know that that was a crucial situation in that whole deal in our Super Bowl. Now, how did that affect the team mentally going into that game? Well, um, well, being that uh, you know he he was pretty much a leader, you know, at the back end of the defense, you know, uh, a lot of communication that goes on. Uh, you know, I mean, we had a pretty good uh, you know backup safety that that went uh, Mark Manuel. He, he did a pretty good job, and he was a good communicator too. But the thing is, what happened with him 
is when he got hurt in that game, you know, we had to go it's almost, you know, to a, to our third string safety and, you know, we the communication gets a little bit, you know, a little bit skirt, skirt up a little bit and, you know, you don't you know, everything's not as fluent and you know, it kinda can affect the game a little bit and affect how, you know, you know, the communication on the back end and, you know, mess up and, you know, give up some big plays sometimes and that's kinda what happened to us. Well, I, I tell you this, we've got a couple of minutes before uh, we get out of here. Now, you guys went in, you know, highly rated. Uh, you get into the Super Bowl. Now it's the Super Bowl that, you know, everyone projected that you played the Denver Broncos. But you go in, you play against a good Pittsburgh Steelers team that was, you know, they were, I think, the sixth seed at that time. They beat you guys. So talk about, you know, the locker room afterwards, after being on that stage and just kind of coming up short, what, what was the la- locker room atmosphere like? I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up because I mean, I, I really wish we would have <laughs> played against the Denver Broncos that like, year. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure I would have had a Super Bowl ring. No one, no one that. <laughs> oh <laughs> no come on now, Kelly. <laughs> You know, my homeboy, you know, okay. Nick Ferg over there, I would have loved to go against him in the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. But, yeah, I mean, the locker, the locker room was, uh, you know, like I said, man, we, we felt, we felt you know, cheated. I mean, if anybody's seen that Super Bowl and watched that Super Bowl and even even go back and watch them about the Super Bowl, we, we felt we, you know, we, you know, the, the refs kind of played a big part in, um, you know, our demise and losing that game. So, you know, we we were kind of hot. We, you know, we were more heated. We felt we were a better team and felt we should have won that game, but we felt we got kind of, uh, you know, I mean, it was, the, the refs kind of played a little part into, um, get, you know, us losing that Super Bowl. So, you know, yeah, the, it was more than just being down. We still felt we were a better team, but we but nothing we can do about it because, uh, yeah, it, it was more, we was more, a little bit more, uh, a little more heat and a little more hot, more at the situation of not being able to uh, just win, put the win the game on the field and being felt, felt like you know what the referees have something to do with it. So it was tough. Well, Kelly, thank you for your insight, man. Uh, pre- appreciate you and good luck uh, for the Seattle Seahawks uh, uh, this Sunday. That's Kelly Herner, former Denver Bronco and Seattle Seahawks. After the break, a little bit of real talk with Mario Vertanzi. Stay tuned. Real talk. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. 
to get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. All right, we just finished talking to Kelly Herndon, and if I heard correctly, he's saying that the officials actually dictated the outcome of that game against the Pittsburgh Steelers that he felt strongly that they should have won. So uh, we, we don't no know. He felt that. as though, well, yeah, he, I mean, he said he felt as though the, the league was very adamant about closing out, uh, 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 I guess, a Hall of Fame season for a Hall of Fame career for then running back of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Jerome Bettis. And right now we have Peyton Manning versus Russell Wilson. So could we see some of the same shenanigans? I don't know, but we're going to jump into what I love on Thursdays. Real talk with Mario Batanzi. Hashtag real talk. Let's go. All right, Mario. Real talk. There's a station 99.5 in Denver that has refused to play any music from any Seattle-based bands. What did you say about that? Real talk, man, I absolutely love this. Are you kidding me? Why wouldn't you do it? Your team is in the Super Bowl. You are playing against Seattle. How, I mean, is there a better way to show your support than not playing songs from artists? And it's nothing personal. It's all good. Now, a little fun fact about that, Mr. Ferguson. A few years ago, 99.5 used to be The Hawk. Now, it's The Mountain. It's all about Denver. It's all about the mountains. Ride in orange. United in orange. Ride. Time to ride. All those hashtags that we're using. I love this. Real talk. Real talk. Now, when asked whether Carmelo Anthony was going to remain in the city of New York, his wife Lala had this to say. If I can live in Denver, I can live anywhere. Real talk. Real talk. This lady has Carmelo Anthony on a very short leash. You mean to tell me that she doesn't care if they live in New York right now? She's the big reason that Melo wanted out of Denver. You remember how much money the Nuggets were offering Melo? Neither do I, because it was way too much. But it wasn't enough to keep him off of Lala's leash. She wanted him to play in New York, and he went to go play in New York. Now, oh, it's okay if we don't play in New York, as long as we play in Los Angeles. Forget you, Lala. What have you even done with your life? Real talk. Wow, I mean, you felt really uh, uh, passionate about that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know what, man? I live in Colorado, born and raised here. In my opinion, it is the greatest state out of the 50 in America. And if you can live in Colorado, you can live anywhere? Is that a joke? Are you you saying you'd be able to live in North Dakota, in Wyoming? Give me a break. (laughs) Nebraska? Yeah, right. Get out of here. Real talk. Shut your mouth. That's what with uh, Lala and uh, Sarah Palin. Look for that reality TV show on TLC. Real talk. The Sochi Olympics are right around the corner. And there have been some issues on whether they can actually protect either the athletes and, you know, the people who are attending. Also, maybe a little bit of controversy about some of the under the table money that's been placed in the bank accounts because they're saying that this could be the most expensive, yes, the most expensive 
Olympics ever. Real talk. Real talk, Nick. Here's the thing, man. When the Olympics were founded decades and decades and centuries ago, it was all about bringing the world together to set their differences aside and compete. That's what the Olympics have always been about, but it's starting to get out of hand. If their lives and their personal safety is in jeopardy, you can't have the Olympics in that that particular place. Are you kidding me? There is terrorist activity about 100 miles away from the Olympics. That is an absolute joke to me. I don't know what trying to what kind of message they're trying to send, but they need to improve this over the next few Olympics or people are going to start getting hurt and they're going to lose the true meaning of Olympic competition. Real talk. Real talk. Jonathan Martin sat down with Tony Dungy in a candid interview and he talked about his experience with the Miami Dolphins stating that because of vulgar language and how he was being treated by the team, he could no longer be placed in that environment. Real talk. Real talk, man. This guy needs to man up. Are you kidding me? I don't care how bad the bullying is. You are getting paid millions of dollars to play a sport. That is your dream. That is the goal of every single football player that has ever strapped on a helmet to make it to the pinnacle, to make it to the NFL, to be a starter, to get paid seven, eight figures, and you're going to quit because somebody hurt your feelings? Man up. Real talk. Real talk. Peyton Manning, Russell Wilson. We know by the end of Sunday, history is going to be made. Which quarterback makes that history? Real talk. Real talk is going to be Peyton Manning. And Nick, when I was on the show yesterday and when I had my radio show here in Denver last Saturday, I talked about conspiracy theories. And what Kelly Herndon was saying previews that perfectly. Did the Seahawks get cheated in that last Super Bowl? In my opinion, absolutely yes they did because they needed to get Jerome Bettis a ring. Now, we're looking at the same kind of thing. Does Seattle have a player that they think they need to get a ring to? No, but the Broncos have Champ Bailey, one of the greatest to ever lace him up at his position. This will put the icing on the cake that is Champ Bailey's career. Are we going to see some funny business? Yeah, we are. It's the NFL. There's always something going on, baby. Plus, the Orange team from the Pro Bowl won that game. Broncos win the Super Bowl. Champ gets a ring. Manning adds to his legacy. Real talk. Real talk. Former Chicago Bears and Ravens linebacker Brendan Amadeo had this to say about some of his teammates from the day leading up to the Super Bowl. Well, there was a little. There's some hash going around with some of the guys he didn't mention any names real talk real talk brendan are you just sad that you didn't play for an nfl team this year are you just bummed out that the cameras are no longer on you after winning a super bowl last year just thanks to your team that's called a piggyback super bowl nick this guy has never gotten any press so what is the point of him coming out and saying that people were smoking weed it's the nfl man of course they're smoking weed it's not a 
it's not a secret to be doing it close to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that might be a little messed up, but these guys have injuries. They have stress. If they want to unwind and smoke weed, then they're going to smoke weed. In Nate Jackson's book, former Bronco and teammate of yours, Nick, he said that if you smoke weed and get caught in the NFL, you either A, are stupid, or B, have a problem. Either way, you need to get help. People are going to smoke weed. So for Ian Badejo to come out now in the wake of all this media, and we know about Media Day and all the press coverage it's getting, and the fact that Denver and Seattle have both legalized marijuana, he just wanted a little bit of FaceTime, man. What are you benefiting from letting people know about other people, other teammates of yours smoking weed? And then you're not going to name names? Real talk. Shut up, Brandon. Real talk. That's Real Talk segment that's been brought to you by Nick Ferguson and Mile High Mario. We have Byron Chamberlain holding on the line. Real talk, Brian. Tell us what's going on with this game against Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. Hello. Yes, yes, we're here. Byron. Nick, can you hear tell, me? Tell us about Tell. Yes, I can hear you. Uh, real quickly. Uh, tell me, uh, what, what's your take on this weekend's game? Well, I, I think the Broncos will do a great job of uh, using formation uh, to get their playmakers uh, in position to make plays. Uh, that Seattle secondary is very good, uh, but I think they'll move move guys around, put Julius Thomas in the slot, put him outside, uh, and do a good job doing that. I think for the Seahawks to win this game, they're going to have to take a page out of the 1990 New York Giants Super Bowl team and and, uh, and ground and pound and try to shorten the game uh, using Marshawn Lynch, get him in beast mode, and, uh, and, and pound that Bronco defense. Real quickly, we have about a minute left. Talk to us real quickly about the pressures associated with after you win your first Super Bowl. Well, you know, after you win your first Super Bowl, you're the target, and everybody's gunning for you, and everybody is trying to knock you off the mountain, so... Uh, you're going to get everybody's best game. I remember the, the year after we won our first Super Bowl, we played Cincinnati, and they were the worst team in the league. And they came in, and they gave us a, a heck of a ball game, and it went down to the wire. So you know, you know you're going to get everybody's best shot when you're the champ. Well, really quickly, Byron, give me your prediction for this Sunday's game. Uh, my prediction is uh, – uh, Peyton Manning does something that no, one, no other quarterback has ever done, and that's take – two Super Bowl teams, two different teams to, to Super Bowl championships. I got the uh, Broncos 27 and the Seahawks 17. Woo! Real talk. I love that, Byron. All right. Yeah, yeah. Byron, I think they get it done. That's Byron Chamberlain two-time. Let me get that right. Two-time Super Bowl winner predicting Peyton Manning, Denver Broncos win in Gotham City. Great show. I want to thank Byron Chamberlain for joining us, Kelly Herndon, Andre Davis, and as always, Justin on the boards and Mario Batanzi. Uh, feel free to continue the conversation at Mile High Mario and at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. Be sure to go out also and check the YouTube channel, Nick A. Ferguson. Some really funny stuff, uh, some parodies uh, you will definitely enjoy. Join us next week when we digging deeper on the Sochi Olympics and discuss the do's, the don'ts, who won, who lost from the Super Bowl. 
Have a great weekend. Drive safely. We out. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week.